own thing and, and be their own thing. Uh, but it's a sad generation that if in the same halls of that same school, somebody walks around toting the Bible and saying, praise God, Jesus is King of kings and He's Lord of lords, and they could uh, be pushed out the side because that's not permissible uh, in our society. But I like the product uh, of living for Jesus uh, a whole lot better than what's produced uh, in serving the devil uh, and doing the things the way the world is doing it, the route that the world is going. There's hope in the church. There's life and blessing in the church. We're going to read a verse of Scripture, then we're going to sing a song here, I believe, Acts chapter 1 and verse 6, reading down in the Word of the Lord. Acts 1 verse 6, we'll be reading down about... uh, Verse 11, hallelujah, you can keep on playing, that sounds pretty good. You get it? Just look up here and smile real big, a Holy Ghost smile, let it radiate. Amen. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after that. The Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld. Everybody said, while they beheld. He was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. But he said, we can't see him no more. Verse 10 for a text. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Why stand ye gazing up into heaven? One writer writes it like this. It was not long afterwards that he rose into the sky and disappeared into a cloud, leaving them staring after him. And as they were straining their eyes for another glimpse, suddenly... Two white-robed men were standing there among them and said, Men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring at the sky? Jesus has gone away to heaven, and someday, just as he went, he will return. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Put your Bibles down, lift up your hands and your hearts to God, and let's thank the Lord for the beauty of the Word. Let's thank Him for truth on our hearts. Hallelujah. Amen. You can be seated. When trouble is in my way, I can't tell my night from day. When I'm tossed from side to side, like a ship on a raging tide. That's really easy. 
When trouble is in my way, I can't tell my night from day. When I'm tossed from side to side, like a ship on a raging tide, I don't worry and I don't fret. My God's never failed me yet. Troubles come from time to time. That's all right. I'm not the worrying kind because I've got confidence. God is going to see me through. No matter what the case may be, I know He's going to fix it for me. Some folks wonder how I can smile, even though I'm going through a trial. How can I have a song when everything seems to go wrong? I don't worry and I don't fret. My God's never failed me yet. Sleepless days and sleepless Job was sick, oh so long, till the flesh fell from his bones, his wealth, cattle and children, everything that he had was gone, but Job in his despair, he knew that God still cared, sleepless days and sleepless nights, Job said, honey, that's all right, because I've got confidence, God is going to see me through, no matter what the case may be, I know He's going to fix it for me, I've got confidence, God is going to see me through, no matter what the case may be, I know He's going to fix it for me. Think of that second verse. Says some folks wonder how I can smile, even though I'm going through a trial. How can I have a song when everything seems to go wrong? I don't worry, I don't fret. My God has never failed me yet. Troubles come from time to time. That's all right. I'm not the worry.
you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, instrument players. Amen. And you may be seated. I want to look at it one more time. I want to hear what they're saying. While they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. I think we need to get the whole picture of these verses that we've just read. To begin with, the Lord was talking to them and they had a lot of questions and He just let them know that some of those questions are going to hang unanswered for a while. But then He began to let them know the important thing to their life, and that is verse 8, and how many times has it been quoted in the apostolic church, but it doesn't matter how many times it's been quoted, it's got to be experienced. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he would spoken these things, they beheld. He was taken up. A cloud received him out of their sight. And then he gets down to what we're going to use for a text. And I'm trying to just, uh, just figure out. If I had Brother Campbell here, I feel like we could just really get something wild out of this as far as a text. And uh, I don't know how many people sometimes remember uh, my text. But I want something to be lasting after the message is said and done. And the things are spoken that we feel like speaking in the Holy Ghost. But let me talk about daydreaming and stargazing are working a vision. Daydreaming and stargazing are working a vision. Somebody said, rightfully so, many years ago, there's nothing wrong with dreaming a dream. In fact, everybody ought to have a dream. The man that is known in your Bible uh, as the dreamer, he dreamed some dreams and every one of them seemed good and every one of them sounded good, uh, but every one of them seemed to make the faithless people around him uh, a little bit upset. But he still yet began to tell his dream. The man said, dream a dream, tell a dream. Now if that's as far as you go, it's dead. If that's as far as you go, it's over with. The third step is... Work a dream. Dream a dream, tell a dream, and work a dream. You see, some folks stood around uh, and all their life they gazed at the stars and they wondered how far uh, and they wondered what and where, but somewhere along the line uh, somebody come along and built a rocket and said, I just kind of like to find out uh, a, a little bit for uh, myself. It's amazing uh, how different situations uh, affect different people. Uh, reading in history, and I'm sorry that his name slips me, but I've talked about him before uh, in days gone by. Uh, but the, the, the general, the leader uh, of the army uh, that had sent message and was signaling uh, to those that were waiting to hear uh, what his circumstance and situation was, uh, he began to tell them the food supply uh, is love. The ammunition is low. The enemy is strong. We're outnumbered in front and on the right and on the left. And the next statement said, I am attacking. Hallelujah.
I'm just going to go right on forward. Nothing looks like it'll work. Nothing looks like a situation for victory. But something in that leader's heart, something in his mind, brought him to the position that he said, there's only one way out, and that's forward. And giving it the best that we've got. There was a command that came unto a people that said, Hey, go and tarry until you be endued with power. Some folks go to church and they're satisfied with religion. Dead prayers satisfy them. Dead church satisfies them. Dead worship can satisfy them. Amen. They just uh, talk a little bit about religion. Uh, talk a little bit about salvation. Hey, we live in such a religious world. Uh, sometimes it makes me sick. Uh, the things that people want to talk about uh, when it comes to religion. Uh, they don't have enough power to overcome sin. Uh, they don't have enough power to overcome temptation. Uh, they don't have enough power to conquer the devil. Uh, but they want to talk religion. Uh, they're satisfied with just religion. Uh, but the command was, uh, go ye uh, and tarry until you be endued with power. Uh, there's something more than religion. Uh, there's something more than church affiliation. Uh, there's something more uh, than just knowing a few verses of scriptures. Here's the picture. And here's the message. There's more to this than just stargazing. Now unto him that is able. There's more to this than just daydreaming. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. We told the story. It's been numerous years ago now. And we've reiterated a time or two. And it's just tradition. Nothing like that. There's no scripture to it. But there is a principle that's involved. And it was said according to tradition that when Jesus ascended up on high, that these very two angels that were here met Him and ascended to when they left. And going up to heaven, watched Him and presented Him back into heaven as God, King of kings and Lord of lords as he sat upon his throne and one of them questioned him and said now what and the answer was now I'm going to send the greatest gift back to the world that I have ever given the gift of the Holy Ghost that is the gift of eternal life if you please the Holy Ghost is not an option it's not a spare tire. It's not a good accessory uh, that you can get if you want it. Uh, the Holy Ghost is the vehicle that's going to take us there. Uh, there is no salvation uh, without this tongue-talking experience. Uh, there is no salvation uh, without the real Holy Ghost. And he said, now I'm going to send a gift back to them. I'm going to put it in earthen vessels. I'm going to give them my spirit. Then I'm going to give them my truth. And then I'm going to depend upon them to carry my truth into every part of the world. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Hey, this job of soul winning is the church's duty. This job of soul winning belongs to the church. You may not be called to go across the ocean, but I'm telling you, God's given you enough power to go across the road and tell your neighbor in heathen America that they need a reality in God, and God will give them His grace and His glory if they'll just call on Him. Hallelujah. And as he explained what was next, one of the angels spoke up and said, well, you know, 
how fickle that man is. And you know how untrustworthy he is. And you know how from creation, the very beginning of time, uh, unto this day, uh, he's always been a failure. Uh, and he's always let you down. Uh, and what makes you think uh, that he's not going to let you down now? Uh, and the answer came back from our Lord and God, uh, according to the story that said, uh, I have uh, no other plan. And I believe that. Uh, I believe the principle is right. Uh, I believe the message is right. Uh, when there was Calvary uh, and he said, upon this rock I'll build my church, uh, he said, there's no other plan. Uh, when he said, the salvation of the world uh, hinges on the witness of the church uh, and the reality of the power of God uh, that exists in the lives of his people, uh, he has no other plan. Uh, his plan is wrapped up in the church. His promise is wrapped up in the church. The work of God in the earth is in the church. You'll not find it in Parliament. You'll not find it in Congress. You'll not find it among the worldly nations. It's wrapped up in the church. God's eyes is on the church. Woo! And so, here's the message. The message said, Why? Are you standing here gazing? Now why would they ask a question like that? Here they've been with Jesus, some of them for three and a half years. They've watched the fullness of His ministry. They've heard Him preach and teach. It's been instilled in their heart. All of a sudden here after 40 days of infallible proofs of showing that He was the resurrected Christ, He was God that had come, robed Himself in flesh, gave that fleshly life, uh, resurrected again. Uh, no man takes my life from me. I've got the power to lay it down. Uh, i got the power to pick it back up again. Uh, Forty days He showed with infallible proofs. The Bible said uh, that He was the risen Savior. Uh, and now He's taken away from them. Uh, he disappears in a cloud. Uh, and these angels are saying, Why are you gazing into the heavens? Why are you gazing into the heavens? And then they explain, This same Jesus is going to come back. Do you get the, the drift of what they're talking about? He's coming back. But He didn't tell you to stand here on this mountain and gaze your life away. He didn't tell you to stand here and reminisce how it used to be and what used to happen and what used to transpire and the miracles you used to see and how He divided the fish and the loaves and how He worked the miraculous. He, he didn't tell you just to stand here with your daydreaming and your stargazing. What did He tell you? He said, you're going to get power. You go and tarry in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. It's not the stargazers that get it. It's those that go to Jerusalem. It's those that seek to be endued. It's those that heard the promise. Why are you standing here? Don't just stand here. Go and get the promise. Don't just stand here daydreaming. Go and get the power. Go and get what God said His church could have. Go and get what God said the people of God should surely have. You don't need to stand here gazing when you can have the power. There is an abundance of Scripture that parallel the very principle that we've chosen for a text. Daydreaming and stargazing or working a vision. And there is a difference. There is the parable of the foolish virgins. Matthew 25. It was the wise and foolish virgins. But in our hour, the warning is against being a foolish virgin. The blessing is if we are wise virgins. The Bible said they were all waiting. They were all gazing. 
They were all had been looking. They all had an expectation about them. But half of them just hadn't made any preparation. Half of them just were not ready. Half of them just had not got prepared for what the thing was that they really thought that they were so excited about. I believe if you'd have seen them, you'd have not been able to notice any difference in their dress. I believe you'd have not been able to notice any difference in their countenance. Their attitude might have seemed all the same to you, but there was a difference. There was some of them that were waiting that were not ready. There's some preparation involved, and that's what the message of the angel was. You can stand here gazing all the rest of your life until you die and turn back to ashes. There is some preparation before Jesus comes back. There is some getting ready before Jesus comes back. There's a message of Second Peter chapter 3. He talked about the day of the Lord. We've heard it testified about. We've been hearing it sung about. Uh, and uh, the, the service certainly parallels uh, the message tonight because uh, even though we're in perilous times, we're in promised times. Even though we're in troubled times, we're in gracious times. Even though darkness has covered the land and gross darkness the people, uh, the Bible said there's light in the evening time. I see a light. Hallelujah, I see a light. I feel a hope. I feel a stay every day that I live and get up. Hey, it's not the world that makes me want to get out of bed. It's nothing in this world that enthuses me. There's nothing in this world that satisfies me. But just the thought that I'm one day closer to the kingdom. I'm one day nearer to God. I'm one prayer closer to home. I'm one day closer to the finish of my labor. That God has called me to finish. The writer said, The day of the Lord shall come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. The elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Did you hear that? The world's works get to burn. Only one life, so soon it will pass. Only what's done for Christ will last. I'm telling you, this is the folly of those that are seeking to satisfy their flesh and not to satisfy the hunger of their soul. This is the folly of those that are seeking their own ways and desire. It's all going to burn up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Now get this. I'm not preaching against the looking. I'm not preaching against the expectation. I'm just preaching against the partway experience that the Lord was warning about. Verse 12 says, looking for. There's a lot of exhortation like that in the Bible. Looking for. When you begin to see all these things come to pass, Jesus said, look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. The Scripture said, look unto me, all ye ends of the world, and be saved. David said, I'll look unto the hills, and whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, that made heaven and earth. There's a lot of Scriptures that tell us plainly that there's a place to look and there's a place to put our expectation. And I'm telling you, it's something beyond just stargazing. It's just something beyond seeing. I wish I had a walk with God. I wish it was like it used to be. I wish I could see the miracles. I wish I could have revival. I wish it moved in my heart. I wish it moved. Oh, no, 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 no. He said, looking for and hasting to the coming of the day of God. We're not just out here stargazing. When we're talking about Jesus, it's coming. We're going to meet Him. We're running to meet Him. We're headed in that direction. We're doing it by our holiness. We're doing it by our conversation. We're doing it by our righteousness. Every prayer that we pray, every song that we sing, every church service.
day of God. We're headed God's direction. You can be seated. Wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we according to His promise look for new heavens and new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing you look for these things, be diligent that you may be found of Him in peace without spot and blameless. That's what the preaching's all about this morning. That's what the preaching's all about every service. Oh, Jesus said you're clean. Through the word that I've spoken to you, I want to be clean. Hallelujah. Sometimes I just, I get to praying and I get to smelling things. Hallelujah. Sometimes things don't smell real good. Glory. Somewhere or another... Brother Ed Givens is, uh, he's tricked me. And I've ended up with a bunch of quail at my house. I think I about decided I'm going to take about three or six months with them, then I'm going to ship them all to Monroe if he's not already moved over here. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I got in here the other day. I come to church and I'd been out there uh, watering the quail and feeding and spraying off and doing some of the... Uh, Many old tasks that Brother Michael's so good at. And, and uh, spraying out the dog pen. And, and uh, I come on up here to church and I got to pray and I knelt down. I got to praying and I, I smelled something. And it didn't smell good. Hallelujah. Smelt like I'd been in the dog pen. Smelt like I'd rubbed up against something unknowingly. Or maybe it followed me in on the bottom of my feet. Hallelujah. Something wasn't just exactly right. But I'm going to tell you, as funny as that may seem, I have been down praying. That perverted spirit that I was preaching about uh, this morning, I smell that thing sometimes. It's a stench. It's rotten. It's putrid. It's no account. I understand why God doesn't like it. If it's worse in God's nostrils, then it is mine. That immoral spirit, that perverted spirit, that ungodly spirit, that, that adulterous spirit, that fornicating spirit, I'm telling you it stinks. Hallelujah. We're going to have to keep an attitude like God's got and like God has. Rather the day you get comfortable around immoral spirits and around lying spirits and cursing spirits and spirits of darkness and spirits of filth you're in trouble they're going to contaminate you I don't want to look like the world I don't want to act like the world I concur with you brother Valerie I don't want to dress like the world I don't want my speech like the world and I don't want to smell like the world to God I want to be clean and he said you're clean by preaching you're clean through the words that I have spoken unto you Woo. He said there's a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Good enough. If you're going to live in sin, try to be saved, I'm telling you right now up front, grace isn't strong enough to save you if you're sinning. Hallelujah. 
The only thing grace will do is change you if you'll let it change you. But brother, it won't save you. The Bible said, Thou shalt call His name Jesus and He shall save His people from... From, 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 from. He'll deliver you from your adultery, but He won't save you in your adultery. He'll deliver you from your fornicating spirit, but He won't save you in your fornicating spirit. He'll deliver you from your cursing and your lying and your cheating and your conniving and your old black heart. He's the delivering God, and grace can save you from those things, but He'll never save you in those things. The unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Wherefore, beloved, seeing you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace. How? Without spot and blameless. Without spot and blameless. Nothing there that will discontent God. Nothing there that will hinder God. Galatians said, in due season you'll reap if... You faint not. I don't know how much time we got, but I read where the writer said it remains that time is short. We don't have a whole lot of time. We don't have time to be distracted. Hallelujah. We don't have time to be stargazing. We don't have time to be sitting around daydreaming. I remember they used to kind of preach when I went to school. Uh, public school. The years that I went there, they had to... Uh, to get after some of them sometimes. Some of them they moved. They couldn't sit some folks by the, the window because they were daydreamers. They didn't want to be in class. They didn't want to be studying. Every now and then I hear some of these young'uns saying, I don't like school. I don't want to go to school. And I usually say, oh, you ought to just quit. You ought to just be stupid all your life. You ought to just stay dumb. You ought to just stay just as dumb as you can possibly be and enjoy every minute of just being dumb. Well, I don't want to be dumb. I just don't like school. If you don't want to be dumb, you better fall in love with school. Yeah. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said it the other night. I wish I could remember how Johnny James said it. He got to talking about these, these folks going around being cool. Like to be cool. Hallelujah. You all want to be cool. You all learn how to read and write. You want to be cool. You all learn how to do some algebra. You want to be cool, you ought to learn how to make something out of your life. Uh, so you won't have to bum off a of welfare and mom and daddy all your life. Uh, and learn how to just amount to something. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. So you want to be cool. Strutting around being cool. Cut their hair until they look like a freak and they're supposed to be cool. Years ago, Brother Mike Stevenson said it, it looks like to me, he preached to us, uh, that it looks like sometimes being cool uh, is being a fool. Pay good money for a haircut you can't comb. I mean, pay a man eight, ten, twelve dollars uh, and walk out of there grinning like you really got something, uh, and you got hair stuck every direction. Uh, you can't comb it. You can't do nothing with it. Uh, it's stupid looking. Oh, you may think you're cool, but I'm telling you what's happened to you, honey child. The devil's making you look like a fool. He's making you wear his garb and go his direction and act his actions. We laughed. We heard Brother Campbell talking about it. Said, I never knew it. Nobody ever told me. Said, man, I throwed away a lot of expensive clothes. Never knew this worth anything. These... 
You know how big Brother Campbell is? He's big wasted pants. He said, I'd wear them out and throw them in the trash. Now boys go down and they give good money. Mom and Daddy's money because a lot of them ain't got enough sense to get out and make much money. Woo! They're too busy being cool. They're too busy playing the devil's fool. They go down and give high dollar good money. But pants that are five sizes too big around the waist. And the straddle hits them about the knees. It's got holes in it. And they're walking around thinking they're really cool. They're not cool. They're just playing the devil's fool. <laughs> Hallelujah. Johnny James said if you really want to be cool, you ought to stay in school. And then you won't act like a fool. Hallelujah. Woo, clap your hands, all you people. Woo. Thank you, Lord. It's just, it, it amazes me. Folks fuss about some preacher up here holding a standard, preaching a standard. They call us in bondage. I like Brother Mark's testimony. Said, I got a choice. Now, I didn't have a choice when I lived for the devil. It's had to see, and some folks ain't got no choice. Woo! These gutsy fellas, that's so cool. They ain't got no guts. They're so, they're so succumbed to peer pressure. They got to fit in the little mold that all the peers round about them tell them they have to be. I'm telling you, when I got the Holy Ghost, I got a choice. I went back to school. And I didn't no longer have to be a fool. They come and shoved cigarette in my face. I said, no, thank you. I got a choice. They come and shove their filthy language at me. And I said, no, I got a choice. I don't have to go that route. God gave me a boldness when He gave me a love for God. And He gave me a love for truth. And I never again had to fit in the mold that the world was trying to make for me. Woo! These fellas that can't stand up and live for Jesus, can't be full of the Holy Ghost, can't do right and act right and talk right. These cowardly, so-called spineless, so-called men get out there and say, Oh, I thought you was one of those holy... Well, I just, I just act like I am. You're spineless is what you are. Oh, I just, I just pretend sometimes because of mom and daddy. I'll tell you what they are. They're the devil's fool. They're passing up the greatest thing this side of heaven. Amen. Fit in that mold that the devil molds people in. And when he gets them good and molded, he leaves them in the gutters, in the scum of this world, and watches them fall headlong into hell. Hey, I'm preaching to you tonight that God is calling a church. When God gave me a 13 years old, a Holy Ghost experience, He gave me something that gave me a direction different than what I've been headed the first 13 years of my life. I didn't have to follow Daddy's pattern of drinking. I didn't have to follow daddy's pattern of cussing. I didn't have to follow daddy's pattern of carousing. He changed my life and gave me power. It wasn't a matter of stargazing. It wasn't a matter of daydreaming. I'm glad I hadn't spent 30 years, brother, here daydreaming about a God that can heal. I've watched him heal. That's why I can preach with confidence, faith in God to you. And trust in God to you. We got folks trusting God right now. Hallelujah. And there's folks been around the church year after year after year after year after year after year. So I wouldn't do that. 
Ain't never been a bolster of faith to nobody. Always negative. You know why? Those folks don't have a real God. They never found a real experience in God. You can find a real experience in God that gives you a real faith in God. And a real confidence in God. I'm telling you, if God's not able to heal us, He's not able to forgive us. If He's not able to heal us, He's not able to save us. Talk about trusting God for your soul and absolutely no faith in God for your body. Preach, Brother Couch. We're not going to stand around daydreaming about this and stargazing about this. We're working a vision of a church that God called with faith and a church and a people that God called with confidence and conviction and assurance in God. What's the matter with some of the rest of y'all? Where's your faith? Where's your desire? Where's your hunger for things of God? Some folks not even daydreaming. They're satisfied with their doubt. They're satisfied walling with their unbelief. They're satisfied being a stumbling block. The folks' faith and confidence in God. And I'm telling you, without faith, it's still impossible to please God. And God is still called a people of faith. And confidence in the Holy Ghost. You may be seated. Woo. I'm telling you that the gazers aren't being healed. And they weren't healed in Bible times. There was a lot of gazers. There was a lot of onlookers. They weren't being blessed. They weren't being restored. A lot of folks come around for the fishes and the loaves. A lot of folks come around just to see what they could see. As long as the crowd was good, as long as there was a little air of excitement. But every now and then, you got some stories that stand out in the Bible about those that weren't just stargazers. They weren't just daydreamers. They got a hold of a vision. And they got to work in a vision. And the vision had a cause. And the vision had a purpose. And while they were pressing all around him, on every side. Whew. Every time I preach about this, I think about Sister Fronell when she first came here to church. She said, seemed like for a long time, when I first got in church, she said, every preacher that got up, he talked about the woman, had the issue of blood. She got famous, didn't she? She got famous because she refused to just 